Welcome to a brand new edition of the Two Out of Three Falls podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, which you can find following on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, and of course, now on YouTube at Cruise Control Podcast Network. I'm joined by a great friend of mine, as always, Mr. Graham Matthews from Bleacher Report and Fan Cited Daily DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself, brother? Doing good. Can't complain. It's been far too long. I think we did this a month ago to kind of preview the Royal Rumble. Your schedule's been crazy. Mine's been crazy. So we are here. We are back. We're going to try to do this once a week for everybody to uh, get their their load of uh, some wrestling content for the week. You can find Graham on Twitter at WrestleRant. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. So, so Graham... It's been a while. Glad you're back. Hope you're doing well. The family. Um, interesting event we had over the weekend with NXT Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you this. So, you know, I have a very hard time keeping up with the current stuff and just scheduling and just in and out of what's going on. And I happened to watch some of NXT Vengeance. Mm-hmm. So I did see the um, Gargano match. And I saw the main event with Finn Balor and Pete Dunne for the NXT title. And I stuck around to watch the end. Got to see Undisputed Era come out. (laughs) And then I'm like, okay. And I see Adam Cole do do what he did. Mm -hmm. And Twitter was going crazy. I put the video out. of. I said, uh, Adam Cole spazzed out. Yeah, I saw your tweet, yeah. He kicks Finn Balor. He kicks Kyle O'Reilly. Then it's like, oh, shit, I'm heartbroken. It's, it's, it's the break of a... And I'm like, okay, now you might got me hooked back into what's going on with Raw, SmackDown, NXT, all that <laughs> stuff. So uh, I caught a little bit of NXT last night. Uh, not the whole thing. A little bit of AEW last, uh, last night as well. So are we looking at the end of the Undisputed Era as a group? And what was your overall take of NXT Vengeance and what do they do going forward? Yeah, I think that was, I think that marked the beginning of the end for Undisputed Era. It really seemed to indicate that the end is near for the group as a whole. Now, I know it was Adam Cole that turned and Roderick Strong was kind of playing Peacemaker in that moment and then on NXT on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I'm not exactly sure where he's going to fall. Bobby Fish is still out right now, so I'm not exactly sure where his allegiance is going to you know, lie when he comes back at some point. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. And I, we, I just talked about this myself um, yesterday, talking about how um, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Undisputed Era breakup. Like, is it a good thing? Like you said, it got you hooked back into WWE on the whole because it's something while it has been teased and it has been foreshadowed now for a while, no one knew that would be the moment when it was going to happen because they initially mm-hmm. teased it back at TakeOver 31. They teased it at New Year's Evil a couple of weeks ago, back in early January. Didn't pull the trigger until just last night, not last night, I'm sorry, back on Sunday at TakeOver. So it was a great time to do it, too, because all eyes were on TakeOver. They never ceased to deliver on the TakeOver stage. That show is no exception. But as far as the ending itself is concerned, I think regardless of whether you love or hate it, and I'm certainly of two minds on it, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it, just in the sense that I think it was the spark that NXT needed. Moreover than anything else, I think regardless of what you think about it, we can all agree that was really what kind of reignited some of that excitement in the NXT product, because it is a good show, but it doesn't Mm. have that must-see feel. Again, the good and the bad of AEW, at least that show feels more must-see than NXT does most weeks, and and the ratings indicate that, I think, too. Um, So I think the breakup kind of helped accomplish that. Where they go from here, will those guys flourish on their own in the main roster? I, I, I fear for their main roster features on their own. It, even Adam Cole, and I think Adam Cole is the biggest star of the bunch, obviously. Um, but even a guy like him who isn't too big, he's on the smaller side. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the ceiling for success is, uh, you know, is for him on the main roster without a faction. Now, is it better to have them for for them to have broken up in NXT as opposed to making it to the main roster and having their breakup butchered over there? I mean, that's debatable. It can be argued that it was probably better just to do it now as opposed mm. to bringing them up to Raw, bringing them up to SmackDown, and then ruining them then. Um, but we'll never know. They never really got the chance. And maybe they'll reunite before they make it to Raw and SmackDown. I have no idea. Those guys have been there now for like four friggin' years. They have got at some point to move on. Um, so I thought that was cool. The overall show I thought was great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Um, I thought it was one of the best takeovers in a while, probably the best takeover of the COVID era. I loved Halloween Havoc, although that wasn't a takeover. That was a TV special. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I thought it was a great show overall. All the matches delivered, with the exception of like the women's triple threat. I thought it was good. Could have been better with the women involved. It only got around 12 minutes. Um, probably should have gone a little longer, but it was good for what it was. Kind of paled in comparison to everything mm-hmm. else on the show. But uh, the two tag team tournament matches, the women's and the men's, were fantastic. Gargano and Kushida was fantastic, and Balor and Dunn was amazing as well. So, yeah, I thought the show was great. Only two and a half hours of wrestling. It's shorter than any episode of Raw you'll ever watch, which is a godsend. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it was a really, really good show, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for NXT. Mm. Uh, sidebar, for those who are watching on, on Twitter or any other social handles, if you got any questions uh, for us in the chat, hit us up. Uh, since you mentioned NXT TakeOver Vengeance, let's go over the card real quick. Um, so as you mentioned, you got Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez beat uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, Gargano beat Kushida, MSK defeated Grizzle Young Vets, EO Shirai defeated Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm, and of course Finn Ballard kept the NXT title uh from Pete Dunn. So you figured you said this is probably the second the, the best um the best NXT takeover during the COVID era, but where do you is it is it high in the ranking as far as all time NXT takeovers or no? No, just because there's no crowd, and that's really what makes these takeovers super special. I had seen people saying, "Oh, this might have been the best takeover of all time," or in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Can it really be in the conversation if there's no fans there? It can still be an amazing show. Don't get me wrong, and it was a great show. I mean, again, there are fans there to a certain extent. It's in the performance center, performance center, Capital Wrestling Center, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, but to me, it still pairs and compare. If I had a, the, the choice and I do to rewatch any takeover that I wanted, including this one, I would probably put Brooklyn one or two ahead of this one. Brooklyn three was also amazing. Any of the Brooklyn shows were better than this one. The mm-hmm. other Brooklyn one, which they didn't call it Brooklyn, but it was called takeover New York over WrestleMania 35 weekend. Right. I would rewatch that one. Takeover New Orleans was absolutely incredible three years ago. Um, I would put all of those before this one, even take over our evolution from five, six years ago, take over rival. Just the crowd makes a big, 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 big difference. And not having them there for that really hurts these shows. This was still an incredible show, but not having the crowd really makes that much of a difference. So Mm. I I wouldn't put it near the top of the list at all. Every that, that really speaks to the quality of all these other takeovers though, because they're so good that all these other ones just aren't as good. Like I've never seen a bad takeover. I've never watched the takeover special in the last six, seven years and then have them end and then think to myself, man, that was disappointing. Like I do with most of the main roster pay-per-views and even sometimes AEW pay-per-views. I feel that way more Mm so WWE though. I've never felt that way with the takeover. The weekly show has its flaws, a lot of flaws to be fair, um, but the takeovers never cease to deliver. So I thought this was an amazing show. So what I saw last night, I, I think they're leading towards Finn Balor, Cole, and O'Reilly. So now, you know, I texted you, like, is Kyle O'Reilly hurt legit? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is uh, a, a work. Something yeah. a work. So now everybody thought it was legit. Mm-hmm. And then like an hour later, it's part of a work, part of part of the storyline. Some fans were kind of upset about that. Like, man, why would you go with that length um, of, of, of a story like that? Uh, yeah, it, it got it got people really worried on social media. So he's he he's all right. It's just part of a storyline. But I think they're going they're going leaning towards a Finn Cole O'Reilly three way maybe for the title. I have no idea when. But do you like that direction where it's not only just Finn and Cole, but it's Finn Cole and O'Reilly? Well, I mean, so with Balor, it's weird because I feel like he doesn't really have to be involved in this at all. I don't think the next takeover match. I guess it could be. They really got to sell me on the story. I really don't need to see Balor versus Cole and O'Reilly in the triple threat mm-hmm. just because we've seen Balor and Cole a bunch of times. I know they're one win apiece. I don't really need to see a third match um, with O'Reilly. He's already beaten O'Reilly twice. So O'Reilly, from a storyline standpoint, does not deserve another shot at this championship. I don't really think a triple threat is necessary, especially when you already have other contenders that right. are deserving of a shot before them. You have Karrion Cross, who was never actually beaten for the belt, 
and is set to face, I think, Santos Escobar next Wednesday. It was supposed to happen this week. They canceled it due to a medical issue I, I heard uh, mm-hmm. from Dave Meltzer. Not sure if that's true or not, but I had read that. So um, anyway, I think Karrion Cross is probably next in line. But then again, Pete Dunne in last night's main event, the six-man tag team match main event, Pete Dunne pinned Finn Balor. So even mm-hmm. though he was beaten by Balor on Sunday, he might also earn himself another opportunity. Maybe they're building to a six-pack challenge. Maybe they're building to a four-way. I, I don't know. Um, there's a couple of options there, but, um, yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with it. They, they're keeping us guessing Dunn's still in the picture. Pat McAfee can come back at any point. Adam Cole O'Reilly are there carrying cross is kind of looming in the background. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different directions they can go in and it's cool, especially if rumors are true and they are considering putting the NXT championship on the line at WrestleMania. Um, you know, there's a good chance they could have two title matches in one weekend. They could do the triple threat at takeover and then do Balor and cross the next night if they wanted to on night one of WrestleMania. So there's a couple directions they can go in and I'm not exactly sure where they're going with it. I do think the end game is Cole and O'Reilly. And I think WrestleMania weekend for that show uh, with that match makes the most sense as opposed to doing a triple threat. But if they want to throw Balor in there, that's fine. I just don't really know how you justify Cole and Balor or I'm sorry, O'Reilly getting another shot of the championship when they did mm-hmm. nothing to deserve it. And the outcome really isn't in doubt because I don't figure Adam Cole's going to win it back. And I don't think O'Reilly would win it there either. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see where they go with it because the possibilities are seemingly endless. So, uh, as a fan, are you okay with the fact that because, you know, I put a question out during TakeOver and I said, well, you know, how long is Finn Balor going to be in NXT for? You know, yeah. How long? until he's back on the main roster. And then people kept telling me, well, they look at NXT as a main roster. So as a fan, are you more like, okay, when is Finn going to go back to Raw SmackDown? When is Adam Cole going to go to Raw SmackDown? Are you still content of them both being in NXT at the same time? Different story with both guys, just because I agree with Balor. I spoke to him a week or two ago, and he was talking about how he has no interest, essentially, in going back to Raw or SmackDown. Not never, but he's very content in NXT. Why wouldn't you be when the creative is as good as he is, as it is, for the most part, when he's probably getting paid as much as he would be on the main roster? I doubt he took a, a, a pay cut when he went down back to NXT. It is a third brand. There's no way to call it below raw i mean it is below raw and smackdown in terms of exposure and, and the ratings and whatnot right but it's all on the same level for a few different reasons one unlike raw it's not three hours but it does have a prime time slot uh, a prime time slot on a wednesday night on a major network on usa and it's live i mean it's 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 just, it's a lot like smackdown just on a different network it doesn't get the same ratings obviously but it, it is developmental i'm not denying that it's just a developmental show that is on the same level as Raw and SmackDown. Another thing is that they are considering the NXT Championship as mm-hmm. a top title along the same lines as the WWE and the Universal Championships, which is why Edge has teased going after that title, which I think is cool. Will he? Obviously not. But it's still a cool you know, idea to kind of bat around. Um, as far as Balor and Cole go, though, Balor has been there, done that. He was there for three years. They didn't do jack shit with this guy. I know we got the rocket strapped to his back as soon as he showed up, got the hot push, he got hurt. That's nobody's fault. Comes back, there's no reason to not put this guy back where he was before he got hurt, back in the main event picture. The guy was not hurt for about two years, two and a half years. He never once reached that those heights again. And like He maybe got a, a shot or two at a universal WWE championship. I know he faced mm. Brock that one time. Uh, he faced Roman one time on Raw for the Universal Championship. He had a few opportunities, never won it. Um, he was a multi-time Intercontinental Champion in 2019. Again, the reigns weren't really all that memorable. Uh, they were kind of forgettable. He was clearly never a focal point. I don't know if it's because Vince never just understood Finn Balor, mm-hmm. but he is doing the best work I have ever seen from him. And I didn't watch his New Japan stuff. But like even over his original NXT run, like he's having better matches, cutting better promos now than he ever has at any point since he signed with WWE seven years ago. At some point, should he go back to Raw or SmackDown? Definitely. I think if only for the amount of matches he can have with The Fiend again, you know, Demon Balor versus The Fiend. I'm not even sure if he wants to do The Demon again. He sounds pretty content and kind of leaving that in the past, but mm-hmm. that's a money match you can do. Um, and a lot of other people, him versus this iteration of Roman Reigns, 
Take my fucking money. And it was Roman Reigns who we beat in his Raw debut five years ago. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of different directions you can go. And him and AJ again, run that shit back, do a full-on feud. Fuck yeah. I think that'd be cool. With Adam Cole, it's different. Adam Cole's never been on the main roster. He's been in NXT for four years now, almost four years. That's longer than, like, freaking Sami Zayn. Uh, and Sami Zayn was there for a long-ass time, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cole, Gargano, Champa. I love these guys, but at a certain point, no matter how toxic Raw and SmackDown, specifically Raw can be, at a certain point, it doesn't matter if it's the main roster or leaving NXT to go to AEW or vice versa. You need a change of scenery. No one person should be in the same place forever. Um, Aside from a few special exceptions, maybe Ciampa, Gargano, and Cole are those special exceptions, but the problem Mm -hmm. is that they're not. Gargano is doing some great work right now. Ciampa is a complete afterthought. He's not doing shit right now. He was doing the Thatcher tag team. Still kind of is. That's cool. He's got to move on. Like him and NXT, we've seen all the matches we we, we can see him have. He's got to move on. Cole, he's a guy where he's still in his prime. And I love Adam Cole. I don't want to see him waste his years. I love NXT. I don't want to see him staying there as a waste. But like he still has so much more to offer. And he's not as big of a name as he could be because he's in NXT. It's a third show, but it's not Raw. You are not getting the same amount of eyeballs on you as if you were on Raw or SmackDown if you were just on NXT. So I really want to see him move up at some point. I know I'm fucking scared just because of how they treat these call-ups. I totally understand that. But at Mm -hmm. a certain point, dude, you got to move on. It is developmental at the end of the day. It's a third brand, but it's still developmental. Balor was there and came back. That's fine. With a guy like... Cole, though, he's never been there. At least give him a shot. If it doesn't work out, he can quit and go to AEW where his girlfriend is or go back to NXT or whatever. You at least have to try because he's a guy that I think would be a top guy on one of those shows. Maybe not WWE champion just because Mm -hmm. of his size, although we've seen Daniel Bryan win the belt, Kofi Kingston, the list goes on and on. You just got to give it a shot. I don't think you can stay where you are forever just because you're comfortable and you know that going anywhere else, that's a risk. Sometimes you have to risk it all just to see if it's going to work or not. So I want to see him move on sooner rather than later. Balor can stay right where he is for right now. Do you think in your opinion that if there was no COVID pandemic and there's still a crowd um, in the arenas, that someone like Adam Cole would have been called up a long time ago or the fact that you feel like they're still holding him until they get people back in the crowds? You know, that's a good question. I I agree with the first part. The second part, maybe. The first part, definitely. My prediction was that, among with any other, uh, among with among many other people, I should say, is that he was going to get called up along with the rest of the group right after WrestleMania last year. They didn't have a lot of call-ups. They called up Bel Air, who was ready. They called up Forgotten Sons. Who gives a fuck? They're already gotten broken up, and one of them got released. Um, yeah. But yeah, Undisputed Era, they, they were tailor-made to get called up, if not after WrestleMania, then mm-hmm. right after SummerSlam. Because I know at WrestleMania time last year, Cole was still the NXT champion. He didn't lose the belt until July. So instead of doing the whole Pat McAfee feud, which was great, they could have right. just bypassed that entire thing and just called him up right after SummerSlam if they were fans there. A lot like Bailey. Bailey didn't get called up after WrestleMania. She got called up after SummerSlam uh, the weekend that you and I met at TakeOver Brooklyn five years ago. They could have done right. the exact same thing with um, Undisputed Era. So they didn't, there's no crowds. I really feel like of all the call-ups that we should see, you know, moreover than a Ripley or Damian Priest, there should have been a crowd there for an Undisputed Era call-up, but, or Adam Cole or whatever, just to make him feel like more of a star. Like when he showed up in the Rumble three years ago, he felt like a star because of the crowd reaction. When there's Mm -hmm. no crowd, it, it, it hurts, but they've already called up a bunch of people without a crowd at this point. I see what you're saying. They might be waiting until there is a crowd to call them up. But at this point, we don't know when we're getting fans back full time. So you might as well just be like, fuck it. Let's bring them up. Like with right. Riddle and Lee and Priest and Ripley and all these other people. At a certain point, you just got to be like, fuck it. We don't know when this is going to be over. We thought the pandemic might be over within a month or two, six months, a year. We're approaching that one year mark next month. Doesn't look like we're in the end game just yet. So I would call them up right after WrestleMania. That's what I would do. I would do O'Reilly Cole WrestleMania weekend. Have O'Reilly win. And Cole just moves on because there's nothing more he can do in that next day. Since you mentioned Edge uh, a few minutes ago, uh, he will be at WrestleMania mm-hmm. picking, picking a, a, a world title match either between Finn Balor, which we doubt, Drew McIntyre, eh, maybe, and Roman Reigns. So I ask you, 
and I know after that we'll go to the to, to the chamber. Who should Edge face at WrestleMania? I think it should be Roman Reigns. I think there's a compelling story with that. Um, because Edge and Drew, while it, it would be nice, it's not like that money matchup that we would want to see. Yep. So um, all this, I'm going to this show, I'm contemplating, we know what they're going to do. I think it's, I think it's Roman. Um, who should he face? And if it's not Roman Reigns, and if it is Drew McIntyre, if he wins at the Chamber, will you be happy with that instead? You know, I'm glad it's not obvious this year. I know you said like, oh, we all know he's facing Roman. And I do agree. I think of the three, that's the most obvious pick. But it, unlike last year when Drew won, he eliminated fucking Brock from the Rumble. So we knew he was facing Brock Lesnar in WrestleMania. He literally yeah. announced it the next night. There was no suspense there because we knew he was facing Brock, as he should have. I'm not denying that. With Edge, though, there's a real possibility that he could face any one of those, any one of those three guys. Probably not Balor. I mean, I could say that with full certainty, but... You never know. He, Edge loves NXT. Yeah, I've I've seen him say that he's a big NXT fan. Triple H said before he wants to do some work with the NXT brand. You never know. Probably not going to happen though. And Balor's a big name. It's not like the title's being held by like some loser. Um, right. It's like oh, he would never face him. <laughs> Balor's a big name, so I could see that in a distant universe, in an alternate universe. I I completely agree. It's got to be Roman. Um, we've seen him interact with all three champions in the one interaction that really intrigued me was the one with Roman, if only for the character dynamic. Roman has already run through a bunch of people as champion. McIntyre, Kevin Owens multiple times, Jey Uso, among others. Edge being added to that list is a pretty big deal. If you can't get The Rock, Edge is a nice consolation prize. I think the match would be good. Not that McIntyre and Edge wouldn't be, but from a feud standpoint, I'm thinking of the promos, the matches. I'm thinking of the character buildup. Unless McIntyre goes heel and just beats the shit out of the guy, and that's the you know, the match. First of all, McIntyre shouldn't go heel just yet. And it just, no. I don't know. It would be a very good match. I just think McIntyre has another opponent set in stone in Sheamus. That's the direction that you go in with him. If not, Bobby Lashley is a whole other thing. I really don't see that happening. I've just, I've, I've spoken many, many times, as you have as well, about him getting that push, winning the Rumble. And I just, I don't see that happening at all. Um, although I want to, I think Sheamus and McIntyre set in stone for that show, whether it's for the championship or not, it's not going to happen. The only possibility I could see happening is maybe if comes Sunday, AJ Styles wins the chamber, he becomes champion and then he faces edge instead. Again, I, I think that's great, but him and Roman just, it makes too much sense not to do. And they have to have mm -hmm. a very good second story in place for Roman at WrestleMania if it's not going to be Edge. Daniel Bryan makes sense, but I think Bryan's going to be locked up with Rollins after what we saw at the Rumble and on SmackDown next week or last week. Um, I don't think it's going to be The Rock. He's not facing Big E yet. I think it's got to be Roman and Edge. And McIntyre can square up with Sheamus. So um, that's what I see happening, and I think that's the best match you can possibly do right now, in my opinion. That's, that's the money match for Mania. Yeah, I was thinking... Before you mentioned Daniel Bryan and Seth, I'm like, mm -hmm. well, if it's not Edge, it could be Seth Rollins. But now you're telling me, again, I've been in and out. They have this thing with Seth and Daniel Bryan going on. So that might be a match at Mania already set in stone. And if, if Edge picks Drew McIntyre, then it's like, who else on SmackDown is going to compete uh, with Roman? Mm -hmm. It ain't Jay. It ain't Kevin Owens for the, for the fucking ninth time. No. Um, there ain't nobody else. You know, The Rock, you've been, I doubt it. It ain't Goldberg, so it's like, yeah. so that's why I think like, if it is Edge and Roman, cool. So now we get to 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 the chamber, and I'm gonna get it right here too. So Drew McIntyre is defending the title. So my thing is this: How weird is it that Drew McIntyre has to defend the title at Chamber, where it's not like a match where the winner of that, yeah, gets the title shot for Drew or whatever, because now they already have Edge as the winner of the Rumble. Mm -hmm. So they're already, they're already telling you that Edge is going to pick Roman Reigns for the for the SmackDown title. So now the winner of this chamber um, is going to go for, for, the, for the title against uh, Drew McIntyre if he wins. But my thing, if Drew wins, then it's like, who else is there to, to fight him? Yeah. Um... So that's the weird thing. I know I know why, you know, Roman's not defending the title inside the chamber. Drew is. Mm -hmm. It's a weird situation. I will say to start off, I absolutely hate this, that for the last, 
Oh God. Literally dude. If you go back to like 2011, 10 years mm -hmm. inside the elimination chamber, whenever they've had a world title defended or any championship, really, they've had eight different titles successfully defended in the last 10 years really? inside of the elimination chamber eight times. And this isn't like a four way or which is unlikely, you know, un unrealistic enough. The elimination chamber dude is literally six people. So, or six teams, because they've done tag team. They did one last year. Mm -hmm. For that team or for that one individual to retain the title with, um, you know, six to one at one to six odds or whatever it is, is very unrealistic. Once, okay, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. It's special. It has literally happened eight fucking times in the last decade. At that point, why do you even put the pay-per-view before WrestleMania? Because clearly they don't want to change plans. It's like, oh, we want to, we want to put them through an obstacle, but we don't want to have them lose it. Then don't even mm -hmm. do the match. Don't even do the match because it just becomes so predictable. And for that reason alone, as much as I like Drew, he's got to lose it here. He has to. People going into the chamber and, and winning and retaining is not impressive anymore. I think people have short-term memories because this happens literally every year. I think mm -hmm. the last time the world title changed hands inside the chamber, no joke, was when Bray Wyatt won it four years ago. Four right, years right. ago. And they've had the chamber, Matt. They've had the chamber pay-per-view every year for the last three years. That's ridiculous. So I feel like Sheamus has got to win. Orton, absolutely no thanks. I don't want to see Orton and Edge again. I think Orton's going to continue his feud of the Fiend. Anyway, going into WrestleMania, maybe a Firefly Funhouse match. That's cool. Um, I said AJ. I think AJ would be a very pleasant surprise. It's been years since he held the belt. Him and Edge would be cool. Don't see that happening, but it's an idea. Jeff Hardy's not fucking winning. I love Kofi Kingston. He's not winning either. <laughs> so, come on, Graham. You don't want Kofi Mania. I got to write. I do. It. Kofi Mania part two. You don't want that. I do. You know, to kind of go off of that again. I talked to Kofi yesterday. Great guy. Would love to see him win it. I think it'd be fucking cool. I'm not saying I don't want to see it. Like with uh, like Orton, I don't want to see. With Kofi, I would love to see it. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't. Just because I think he'll probably face Ali at WrestleMania or at Fastlane or something instead. So right. I don't see that happening. I think it's awesome. He's getting a shot. I'm glad he replaced the Miz. Miz being in there made absolutely no sense. Um, he hasn't been champion in the decade. He's a loser right now. He's got a briefcase anyway. Who cares? Who cares? Miz did not need to be in there. So Kofi being in there is, is, is great. He's not going to win. There is a chance, and I've said this before, it's not going to happen. What if Kofi is in there only to get beaten up beforehand? This happened before 11, 12 years ago when he got attacked by Edge. So he never actually was in the match. Kofi mm -hmm. got attacked by Edge. Edge won the whole thing. And he became World Heavyweight Champion or whatever. Um, could we see something similar where Retribution takes him out, but instead of Ali taking his spot, it's someone else? Who I would love to see be in the chamber and win the whole thing, which it won't happen. Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Lashley. Yeah. Bobby Lashley would be awesome. And I think... We haven't talked about him in a while, but he is clearly, you would have to be, I even Stevie Wonder can see this coming, dude. Like, there is something being built up with Bobby Lashley. Like, it, it is clear as day. It's as clear as day he's being built up for something because he's being booked strong every freaking week, dude. Every week. So that's not being built up for a match with Keith Lee. Why? Keith Lee's not being protected at all. So why are they protecting Bobby for Keith Lee? If, if, mm -hmm. if that's the idea they're going with. And I think Keith Lee and Bobby would be great. I just don't think right. that's the direction they're going in. Bobby and Drew would be awesome because we know their match last year was great. Or Bobby mm -hmm. and Brock. And I don't think that's going to happen, but it's just an idea. That's my other idea where um, that, that was, you know, Bobby being in it and winning the whole thing would be amazing. That's what I would love to say. The second option, which I fucking hate, is that Kofi gets attacked, not in it because of retribution, whatever. Brock enters, Brock wins the whole thing. He's a former champion. We know he's probably going to be at WrestleMania. And we get Drew and Brock again at WrestleMania, this time with Drew beating Brock with fans there. Absolutely not. Like, I do not want to see that again. I think mm -hmm. I, if they did it, Brock would have to be in chase mode. I do not want another WrestleMania where Brock walks in as a champion or is competing for a top title. No fucking thanks. I think that is so stupid. So I'm not saying that it will happen. But I haven't seen anyone mention that possibility. My buddy RJ actually brought that up the other day, and I'm like, holy shit, that's really scary. I would mm -hmm. much rather just have Drew retain. As much as I don't want to see that happen, I think Drew retaining is a better outcome than that. So my money, if I was a betting man, would be on Sheamus just because you put the belt on Sheamus, you have Drew chase it, 
And I know it's going to sound pointless, but you have Drew get it back at WrestleMania. Him getting the belt back at Mania is fine. It give him the moment that he didn't have last year in front of fans. It's better when it's Sheamus and not Brock for a second time. I think Sheamus right. makes more sense. You get the match. It's for the title. That's cool. That match doesn't have to be for the title. Mm-hmm. You could have, you know, Drew eliminate Sheamus and then Sheamus blasts him with a bro kick and then someone pins Drew. That's possible too. Um, but I think the safest choice is Sheamus winning, becoming champion, and then Drew's in chase mode heading into WrestleMania. All right, so let's get right to it. Elimination Chamber preview, Chamber this Sunday. Oh, my bad, wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> I meant this one, my bad. All right, Chamber right here. So we got, obviously, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Sheamus, Kofi for the WWE Championship. Um, so your money is on Sheamus. Yep. Um, in the event Bobby Lashley happens to enter, you, then you go with Bobby Lashley. I think if anyone takes Kofi's spot, why would you even take him out unless he was gonna, unless that person's gonna win the whole thing? I think Bobby Lashley losing, I mean, we're gonna get to in a second, but Bobby Lashley losing the United States Championship on Sunday mm. to Riddle or Lee or whatever, and then going on to become champion that same night would be incredible. Not gonna happen, yeah. but it's an idea, it's, it's a long shot. All right, so Bobby Lashley, Keith Lee, Riddle, U.S. title. Yep. Who you got? I think, so Keith Lee wasn't on Raw this week. There's mm-hmm. speculation that could be hurt. There's something going on there. I don't know why he wasn't on Raw. If he's in the match, I think he wins it. I think he pins Riddle and wins. I think they're doing a triple threat because I guess Lashley could win and then face Lee at WrestleMania, but then why even do? Why even put Keith Lee in there? Unless he was going to win. So I think Keith Lee will win by pinning Riddle. If Keith Lee doesn't compete, then I see Riddle. I think think they're taking the title off of Bobby. And it's not a big deal if they do as long as they have other plans for him at WrestleMania. If they don't, then who cares? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think they're using this as an opportunity to take the belt off of Bobby to build him up for something bigger at WrestleMania. So if it happens as advertised, I'm going Keith Lee. If Keith Lee isn't in there for whatever reason, I think Riddle will win it. Um, Oscar Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Title. Uh, probably not happening just because it was announced on Raw, where she actually announced on Raw that she's pregnant. I and did hear about that too. Yeah, that's legit apparently, and that's coming mm-hmm. from PW Insider. So I, 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 that's a, that's a pretty credible source. It's not just some like fake news shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know why it's still being advertised, and it's not just Wikipedia. I saw it on WWE.com too. So. Yeah, I don't know why. Even in storyline, if she was pregnant, why would she still be competing for the championship? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> so, so if prob- they take her out, if they take her out, who comes in? I mean, one, do they say the whole match is off, or did they find someone to replace Lacey Evans? I mean, there's literally nothing on this card. I mean, you look into the card right there, and the winner of the SmackDown Chamber is facing Roman. So, like, we have no matches on this card. They need to fill it out. So, I don't think they're just going to scrap it all together. They need to fill the time somehow. If they want to keep the belt on Asuka, then I think they will put in some random person like, uh, I don't know, Nia or Shayna or Peyton maybe, and they all lose. If it's Charlotte, she wins. And I think Charlotte, and I hate the fact that I'm even saying this because I think Asuka, Asuka should be in a prominent match in Mania because she's done a lot of good work the last year. But I think mm-hmm. Shayna, I think Charlotte and Rhea is the money match for Mania. And you have Rhea win the Raw Women's Championship this time and rectify that wrong from last year, right? That wrong. So I don't know if that's going to happen. But if it's anyone else but Charlotte, they'll lose. If it's Charlotte, I think she wins. Okay. So now you pointed out to me, I'm, I'm just seeing, seeing it for the first time. Jay Uso, KO, Corbin, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Daniel Bryan um, for a shot at the title later that night. Yes. I did not know that part. So. I'm surprised they're doing it then, not saving until like fast lane or something. But I guess they again they really want to fill out this card because they don't have anything else to they, this this is a pointless pay-per-view, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> so, so I assume that'll that'll kick off the show. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, it definitely will. Yeah, because they're doing the match later that that night. Yeah. So who's the opponent that can win this match and say, hey, at the end of the ma- uh, of the night, you can say, you know what? Roman might lose tonight. I I because I don't think Roman's going to not walk into Mania without the belt. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why they do this match. Like, if Daniel Bryan wins, why do it the same night? You said Fast Lane or SmackDown, whatever. Why do it the same night? So, I, I don't think it's KO. We've seen that too many times. No way. Jey Uso, no. Done that multiple times already. King Corbin, 
No, no thanks. Seen that a million times. Sami Zayn could be interesting, but I don't think so. I nah, think, not with his current I, character. I think Cesaro and Daniel Bryan. Cesaro with the promo he did on, on Talking Smack with Paul Heyman, that, that could be a, a reason he might win. Daniel Bryan might be in the Seth Rollins conversation, so I think it's down to Cesaro and Daniel Bryan. Who you got? I completely agree. This match is made to be won by Cesaro. Um, I think Brian and Roman is awesome. Just the only issue with it is that I think it's a full-on feud. There's so much history there. You can't just blow it off on a one-night like a one night thing. Like, oh, you're in the title mm-hmm. shot, and then he loses. It you, you don't do that. Cesaro, that could be a feud too, but it's not a feud I see them doing on a pay-per-view. It's not. I just see this mini push for Cesaro being exactly that. It's a mini push. It's going to be short-term. It's going to be short-lived. Probably have him win the chamber, which would be fucking sick. If some people some hope that he could win, he clearly won't. But he goes in there and has a great match with Roman Reigns. Him and Roman had a match on Raw, I want to say five, six years ago. It was in the tournament that they had to crown a new WWE champion after Rollins got hurt before Survivor Series 2015. I think it was actually in that match that Cesaro got injured. And they had a great Raw match. Um, I want to see them run it back. And I want to see Cesaro go for the championship, come within inches of winning it. And then fall short. The story is there with Brian, but again, I would save that for a different day. SummerSlam, maybe anyone. That's what I would say. Uh, Cesaro, I think, is perfect for the Chamber pay per view. They have a great match. Cesaro loses. Uh, Rollins went after Cesaro on um, on Friday, so you could even have Rollins cost him the match if you really wanted to do that. I don't think you have to, but you could do that if you want to. Um, either way, I think we're getting Rollins and Cesaro not at Mania, but at Fastlane, and then from there. Probably um, WrestleMania is when you do Brian and Rollins. So that's what I would do. Right. That, that's how I would book it. But I, yeah, to answer your question, I have Cesaro winning here. Okay. So, um, what is glaring is that there is no women's chamber match. Unfortunately, I, I, I guess maybe because there, it's not, it doesn't make sense to do one. That's the only thing I can think of. I'm bummed that they're not doing one. Right. I am. I think it should be a staple. I think if it doesn't make sense, you make it fucking make sense. Because I think it's stupid that for the last three, four years, now we've had one women's, one men's, but there's no women's this year. To me, mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. I think that's bullshit. Um, and we always, what, are you not going to do a women's money in the bank because it doesn't make sense? Like, I think it should be a staple. So right. I think that's crap. The SmackDown one, let's face it, dude, is completely pointless. You could do that same number one contenders match or whatever, um, on, on SmackDown and then have Cesaro face Roman to the pay-per-view. It's a complete waste, especially since only two people can possibly win the thing. Maybe mm-hmm. they just wanted one for Raw and one for SmackDown, and you can't really do one for the SmackDown women's title because Sasha and you know Bianca is kind of locked up right now, and we'll get to that in a second. I could see them doing one for the, uh, I guess for the tag titles, actually, because they, they don't have a lot of teams, but they have enough between NXT, Raw, and SmackDown where they can make it work. For the Raw women's championship, we just talked about that, but if there's no Lacey, then you can have it be Asuka. It can be Charlotte. It can be Nia and Shane if you want it to be. You can have Peyton Royce in there. Naomi just came back. Lana's an option. Don't care about Lana, but she's an option. Um, you have options there. So you could have done one for the Raw Women's Championship. They're not. I think one for the women would have been cool. I think it's necessary. They're not doing it. And I think that's crap. You mentioned Bianca Belair. So let's get right into it. Uh, I think she, once she won the Royal Rumble, congrats to her. Then I think she'll be going against Sasha Banks for the SmackDown title. Mm-hmm. Now we know WrestleMania is going to be two nights um, in Tampa. So I think that Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair should main event WrestleMania night one. Mm-hmm. Um, night two might be the Roman Reigns match, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um do you feel that Sasha, if, if if it is Bianca and Sasha Banks, that they should main event night one of WrestleMania? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if I tweeted this or if I was just thinking this, but I really think, first of all, going forward, I think WrestleMania should be two nights. I was never a proponent of that in the past, but I think after mm-hmm. last year, it's a formula that works. And especially if, if we go any one of these years, we're not there until 12 fucking 30. I mean, 35 was <laughs> exhausting. I had such a great time at 35, but it was it was it was rough. It was really. You rough. told me. You told me. No show should end after midnight. That is ridiculous, in my opinion. So, um, anyway, I would continue to do two nights. I think that would be best. Will they do that? 
probably not. Stephanie said this is a, not a one-time thing because they did it last year, but they're only doing it this year just due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I would make it a, a, an every year thing. And I say that because this is what you should do. To establish the men's and women's Royal Rumbles as being equally important, which they should be, you have the men Rumble winner, main event one year, or one night, I'm sorry, and then the mm-hmm. women's Rumble winner, main event the other night. You could always do the women on night one if you have to. You don't even have to do it on night two. But to have the main event every year on night one, as long as the match is big enough, and I would hope that it would be if you're having them win the fucking Rumble, that's what you should do. I think that's what they should do every year. And I think Sasha and Bianca is absolutely worthy of being in the top spot. You don't always have to have the top two titles, main event mania every year. Look at last year. They didn't have the Universal Championship main event WrestleMania night one. They had the Boneyard match go on last instead. You should have the best matches go on last. And they didn't really have a WrestleMania main event women's match last year. Maybe Charlotte and Rhea. Um, but like the Raw one, well, what even was the Raw one last year? I don't even remember. Oh, it was Becky and uh, Shayna. That's what Be- it was. For the title, you mean? Or the main yeah, event? it was. I think it was Becky and Shayna. And then for the SmackDown one, they did some like fucking five way or something. And oh, that, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. And that was different. Right. They could have done Bailey and Sasha, but there were no fans. Yeah. So they didn't want to rush it. But anyway, mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think they can do. Easily, they could absolutely do Bianca Sasha night one, and then in my opinion, do Roman and Edge night two. I know it's two SmackDown matches, but who cares? I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's I think Drew and Sheamus is great, but in my opinion, I think Sasha and Bianca is bigger and it can be bigger. Uh, before I go into the final parts of the show, um, I know I didn't have you on the Rumble review show, yes. so I guess we weren't shocked that Bianca Belair won that Rumble, right. No, I figured. No, I mean, I wasn't shocked. If she was my pick to win, um, yeah, but there was you, a, you. You picked her. That's why. Yeah, I picked. I well, I picked her. But I mean, I just because I picked her doesn't mean like I, I figured there was a chance Brock could show up in the men's and he didn't. So I'm very, I was very happy about that. <laughs> but um, like I, I figured there was a very good chance. You know, Charlotte could win, but definitely mm-hmm. Rhea. Like Rhea winning was also very logical. I'm very happy Bianca won. I think it made for a more emotional moment. Her story mm-hmm. is more well documented. Rhea would have been great. But she had a great showing, and I think this was match that that match was Bianca's to win. So I'm really happy that she won. I think they made the right call there, both for the men's and the women's, in my opinion. And they both had that moment where they were on the out in the apron, they kind of like look at each other. Yeah. Like, okay, all right. I so would, I, I would, I, I would go so far as to say, dude, that might have been one of the best finishing sequences in Rumble history, up there with Michaels and Sean. I'm Sean Michael, uh, Michaels and Taker from uh, 2007, in my yeah. opinion. I don't know if it's number two, but it's absolutely in that conversation because it could have gone either way in the mini match that we got between them before it ended was terrific. So I thought that was really, really well done. And my question to you is how shocked were you that Edge won the Rumble? I know you spoke to him right after that. Uh, He was very happy about that. Um, But again, we had like Bobby Lashley, Daniel Bryan, maybe a Seth Rollins win it. But Edge won the Rumble at number one. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Um, and many were saying, like, did, did Edge really need this Rumble to to win? And um, again, I I'm not mad about it. And the reason why I'm bringing it up now because we haven't spoken about it. But, but before I move on, like, did you feel like I like it, but they could have went somewhere else, or did you like it? Did you love it? Did you hate the fact that Edge Edge did win the Rumble? You know, I liked it. Um, my my top two picks were Edge and Brian. Brian was my pick to win. Okay. Um, again, not just because I absolutely wanted him to win. I did, but I mean, again, it goes back to what we were saying before the pay-per-view. I think if there was any year for Brian to win the Rumble finally, it would have been this year, and Edge has already won one. Mm-hmm. So I would have had Brian win, but I wasn't upset when Edge won. I saw a lot of people that were upset. Oh, it's a part-timer. First of all, he's on the show every fucking week, so he's not a part-timer, and he wrestles more often than most part-timers do. He wrestled on Raw the next night. Brock doesn't do that. Goldberg doesn't do that. Triple H doesn't do that. Taker doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, no, I liked it. I think because you know what? It, it's got to be someone that you want to see. And the story has to make sense. If Edge, the story didn't make sense there, then I wouldn't have liked it. But the story makes sense because he lost the title 10 years ago, never got it back. He's already done with Orton. What more do you do with him if he doesn't face Orton? He goes back after the title he never lost. And it was on the same day that he won the Rumble 11 years earlier. He announced his return six days earlier and won the whole thing. For example, like Batista winning in 2014 when he came back, a lot like Edge, 
It made sense. But did people really want to see that? No, that's why they booed him out of the building. I mean, it was the almost exact same thing with like with this year because the only other option was with Brian. And Edge and Brian were the top two options this year. In 2014, it was Batista and Brian. The big difference, though, was that no one wanted to see Randy Orton and Batista in 2014. No one gave a shit. Edge facing any of the current three champions is a lot better. In 2014, you didn't have you didn't even have a choice. It was just the one champion, and it was Randy Orton. That match would have sucked one-on-one. At least with Edge, him and Roman make sense, and it's a cool match. If this was 2014 and Edge's only option was Randy Orton, I would be shitting on it, and a lot more people would be shitting on it because no one fucking cares about seeing that match again at this point. So I'm really glad at least this year he has more options, and um, he can face Roman, and it's okay, and it's a story that makes sense. So I, I liked it a lot. Um. Not sure if you know, breaking news. Um, did you know that Kenny Omega is also the WWE champion? Yes, I did hear Jim Ross say that on Dynamite last <laughs> night. <laughs> I'm watching Twitter, like, and someone say, Oh my god, Jim Ross just called Kenny Omega the WWE champion. I was like, Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I heard him like, Wow. So hey, maybe an omen, maybe. That that tells you Kenny Omega's in the rubble next year. And <laughs> oh god, hey, he's the collector. He's collecting all the top titles right now. So uh, why not? He wants the hey. uh, WWE title. He faces Drew at uh, WrestleMania 38 and wins. Sorry, Drew. Uh, Kenny Omega is a true WWE champion, as far as uh, Jim Ross is concerned. Uh, speaking <laughs> yeah. of, uh, real quick, AEW. They got a show uh, coming up. Uh, Revolution. On let me get the correct date on March seventh. March seventh, yeah. Um, damn, the same night as the NBA All Star Game, so that kind of tells you which which way I'm leaning towards. Um, that's why they. That's why the Shack. You know, do you know the Shack thing that's going on in AEW right now or no? I heard about it. He's had, he has something going on with Cody Rhodes, and is yes. Shaq really going to wrestle that night? Yeah. Well, so the idea was him and Jade Cargill, this new girl they brought in. Versus Cody and Brandy. Brandy got pregnant, so it's a woman named Red Velvet who's close with Brandy in storyline. Maybe in reality. They were going to do the match at Revolution. Revolution was originally scheduled for February 28th. But there's a fight going on that night, I think. Maybe, I don't know, it's not a McGregor. There's some big pay-per-view going on. I think it's a boxing pay-per-view. So they bumped Mm -hmm. it to March 7th. I don't know why they didn't do March 6th. There might be something going on that day, too. Maybe it's a UFC pay-per-view. I don't know. Um, March 7th was the last option. And like you said, you know, the, the NBA game is going on that day. So Shaq mm-hmm. probably has other obligations with that. So they're doing that match now with Cody and red velvet versus Shaq and Jade cargo on the dynamite before the pay-per-view. So that's, okay. that's what's going on. Yeah. They're doing it on dynamite instead. Mm. And, and NXT is trying to counteract that by doing, um, they're doing a women's tag team title match that night and a men's tag team title match that night. With the winners of the Dusty Classic, they're getting their title shots uh, on that Wednesday to kind of counter-program Dynamite. Well, I mean, that'll be smart to get Pat McAfee back for that night, right? Don't you think? I think so. I mean, he was on last night's show in a promo, in a pre tape promo. I think Pat McAfee was one of the best parts of NXT late last year. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he comes back soon. So as of right now, I know you know we'll, we'll mention this after we get close, but six matches on the card. Uh, Young Bucks against the Inner Circle for the tag team titles. We got Team Taz against uh, Darby Allen and Sting. I saw Sting take a power bomb last night, which is uh, pretty cool, I guess, to a degree. <laughs> um, Sheeta uh, will meet the winner of the AEW Women's uh, Tournament that night. Adam Page and Matt Hardy in a big money match. The winner receives the loser's 2021 first quarter Earnings, whatever. Um, Cody Rose, Scorpio Sky, Penta, TBA, TBA, TBA. Uh, face of the Revolution ladder match. Uh, winner receives a featured AEW TNT title match later on. And Kenny Omega defending the AEW and WWE Championship against uh, John Moxley in an exploding barbed wire death match. You got to explain to me. What the fuck is an exploding barbed wire death match? Or had they even talked about it yet? I was hoping you could explain it to me because I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds like some shit from the indie scene. I have sub-zero interest in that. I, I actually, you know what? I actually like the Lights Out match they had a year and a half ago at Full Gear. I was mm-hmm. one not you, but it was a pretty polarizing match. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. It wasn't my favorite match of the year, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool match. 
this just sounds like a friggin' train wreck. Like this just mm-hmm. sounds. I don't think this shit has any place on a major promotion, in my opinion. And they can do. I've seen Texas Death matches and Impact and WWE unsanctioned matches before. This mm-hmm. that does anything exploding. I don't need to say for the most part. I know yeah, Big Show Cena threw like a spotlight at one point ten years ago. That was cool, but like this sounds like a mess. It sounds like a mess. I don't know what that's about. I I hate that. Um, the rest of the card has potential. I think the triple threat ladder match is incredibly random for anyone who watches the show weekly. That sounds like it came completely out of nowhere. Um, but that sounds cool. The tag title match sounds great. Um, Sheeta versus whoever she faces should be fine. Cause she's a good, uh, she's a great wrestler. And, um, yeah, page and Omega or page and Hardy for the earning shit. Who cares? Who cares? I like I like Paige and Hardy. The stipulation thing is shit, though. It makes sense with Hardy's character, but like, why should you and I care about who wins each other's earnings? Like, it's all it's all fake anyway. It's not real, so who cares? There's nothing tangible on the line. But otherwise, I think it should be a good show. And Revolution last year was uh, one uh, one of, if not the best pay per view they ever did. So hopefully, they can have similar success this year. Are, are they still going by like, you know, the 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 record? If you're if you're a three three match win streak if you're above 500 in the record you get a title shout or they just kind of you know fuck all that up nobody fucking knows i think it's <laughs> fucked up they barely mention it they show the records when they come out they barely pay attention and it doesn't matter who's number one or number five they give people random title shots all the time santana and ortiz have never won shit in AEW, and they got a title shot last night mm. like i think the matches are great and that's that's cool dude if you want to do that but then don't say that you're going to do power rankings. I don't think power rankings in wrestling work. I honestly don't because I think AEW has shown that because sometimes you have to do matches that mm-hmm. don't abide by the power rankings. Like if you want to do a match that storyline wise makes sense, these two people have beef. You want to revisit this match. Then sometimes that person isn't even in the rankings, but you want to like, what if someone debuts and you give them a title shot, but they have zero wins. How can you like, you can't justify that. Right. So I don't know. I think it's a mess. I think it's a mess. I hate the power ranking shit. I think they completely butchered it. Um, I think they're still doing it. I don't know. I just lost count. So it doesn't sound like if they are doing it, they're doing it very well. How has um Kenny Omega's title reign been so far? I think it's been good. He's a great heel. Um, mm-hmm. he's been clean, he's been playing the character really well. Having the good brothers there helps. The good brothers there that that really helps. Don Callis as his manager really helps. He's gotten better as a talker. He's a better character. Um, he had a great match a couple of weeks ago with Ray Phoenix about a month ago. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's been I think he's performed one. Well he's been booked really really strong. So yeah, I think he's had a pretty good reign so far. It's only been two two and a half months, but um, so far so good. So I think he's been one of honestly the better parts of Dynamite of uh, 2021 in my opinion. Last question before I let you go, Graham. Um, I did see this on Twitter from your people at BR wrestling earlier in the week about Seth Rollins. You know, he did come back at the, at the rumble and they asked a question about what is the best version of Seth Rollins. And that question was shield authority Monday night Rollins or the Messiah. So Graham Matthews, what is your favorite version or the best version of Seth Rollins shield authority Monday night or the Messiah? You know, that's a great question. I'm really glad they posed that question because you could really say any one of these characters, and I don't think you would be wrong. I know there's a lot of people don't like the current Messiah stuff, and that's fine. I enjoy it. Um, it's not my favorite iteration of him, so that's one gone. Um, mm-hmm. No, but I like it. I, I think he plays the character well, and, and it's been a refreshing change of pace for him over the last year and a half. So I like that one. It's not his best. Shield Rollins was great, um, but it was more about the Shield as a unit more than it was like Rollins on his own. I can't remember like, oh, there's great one singles match. Rollins had like it was more about the shield. So I don't I don't wouldn't say the shield. It's really between authority and Monday Night Messiah. You know, Randy, we've been over this a million times. I fucking hated the authority. I I know you do. I know you do. Trash, trash, trash. But Rollins was great. Him turning heel was unexpected. No one saw it coming. It was a big risk and it paid off. I mean, great matches with Cena, Ambrose, Lesnar. Had matches with pretty much Sting he faced at one point. Uh, Randy Orton had good matches with in 2015. Him as WWE champion had a very underrated reign in 2015. He was great in 2014. Good matches with Roman Reigns as well. So, uh, yeah, between the two, I would say Monday Night Messiah, though. Or Monday Night um, Monday Night Rollins, Monday Night Raw, whatever. 
Uh, like when he was Intercontinental Champion, he was white hot. There was no one hotter in WWE than mm-hmm. Rob 2018. 2019, I would say he kind of took a turn for the worse, like after Mania. Because um, people, they just don't like, they just, I don't know, people turn on things really quickly. And he also wasn't doing himself many favors by like saying dumb stuff online and on Twitter and in interviews. He wasn't doing himself many favors. So um, I would still say Monday Night Rollins, though. I think him as a babyface was great. That is the role that he's destined to be. And he is a natural babyface. He's an awesome heel, but I think he's also a great babyface, too. So uh, the Burn It Down Rollins circa 2018, I would say, was hot, was white hot. When he was Intercontinental Champion, no one was better than him. Um, So I'm going to go Monday Night Rollins, Authority, Shield or Messiah? I'm not sure. Probably Shield and then Messiah, but I think all four. Mm. I'm going to go with the authority as number one. Okay. I like heel Rollins. I think Rollins is a better heel than a good guy. Um, the promos he was doing in the ring where he had Kane and Orton and those other two guys uh, behind him. Um, you know, him. J&J security. J&J security. Him cashing in at WrestleMania uh, against Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is an unforgettable moment. That triple threat match he had with John Cena and Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble a few months prior to that is legendary. Um, Him turning on the shield, legendary. Him siding with Triple H and Stephanie is legendary. Uh, Being, you know, they want him to be the next protege. And um, I like, the one I don't like is the Messiah. I, I think, I, and that's not really his fault, just the pandemic and there's no fans to really appreciate that. Like, you know, that was, him returning as a heel, I think it could have been done way better because the way it started is not what it ended up being. Him with the um the AOP and they they left or whatever and yeah, one of them it, they fired him. Yeah, so it, it it really went downhill right as it started. So then he get Buddy Murphy involved and it's like I couldn't really get into it. And it's not that's not really on him or them. I think the, there's no no fans being there to appreciate it was the downfall of the shield as you mentioned was more of a group nobody really knew what these guys can do individually and the monday night part again i i think seth rollins is that heavyweight championship tier you know yeah. and going going back to an IC title is cool but it's like you should be up here no, I agree or, you know what I'm saying but I, I I do get the fact that some guys kind of come back down like Daniel Bryan world champion I see champion John Cena, world champion, U.S. champion. So it, 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 it AJ Styles, I would put in that category too. AJ as well. Um, but I think the authority. I know you hate the fucking authority. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. But I think with him being being at the helm, being the voice of that of that stable for for quite some time, um, and then then who knows if he don't get hurt in that house show against Kane, how long this would have been going on. Probably oh, like two more weeks, honestly, because he was supposed to face Ron. He was supposed to face uh, Roman at Survivor Series, mm-hmm. so I, he just what a lot. And everything that happened with Roman and Triple H, I think it was going to happen anyway. So, in my yeah. opinion, and then when he came back, um, what was it that was it Money in the Bank? Yeah, um, I was at that pay per view. That was a great moment, and he was heel for a little while after that, and they didn't turn him face for a couple of months. But they yeah. should turn him face right when he came back. Um, because people were ready for it. They waited a little too long and it took him a while to find his footing as a face, but by like mm-hmm. 2017, he really like started doing some great work as a, as a face again. So, uh, yeah. And I think, I think Rollins, he has the best character arc of anyone in the entire company. Like he came mm-hmm. in with the shield, he turned on the shield, he sold out. And then after selling out, the authority got everything they wanted out of him and then turned their back on him. So he became a face and he was the man of the people for a few years, and then they turned on him, so he turned on them. So it's been one consistent character arc. It's not like, oh, let's turn him heel for random reasons. Like It makes sense. It makes sense. So, um, And he knows that, too. I talked to him about a year ago, and he said the exact same thing. He's like, yeah, I got one of the best character arcs in the company. I'm like, I completely agree. So, uh, <laughs> it, he's unlike a lot of other people where they just book them randomly. Like, oh, they're a heel this week, and then a face the next. They're just Shit doesn't make sense. Everything mm-hmm. with Rollins makes sense, which is cool. So I appreciate right. that. So you got Monday Night Rollins. Monday Night Rollins at one, I think, just to switch it up, and then Authority at two, close yeah. second, very. If close. I was if I was ranking it, I'll go Authority real quick. Authority one. Hmm. That's tough already. I would say Authority one, Monday Night two, Shield three, Messiah four. 
Yeah, I would probably say that. And I like the Messiah. So for me to even put that at four says a lot to how good all these characters yeah. are. And so, um, in the beginning, in, in the beginning, it was cool. In the beginning, it was cool. I'm like, oh, okay. Like him in, in that van with the hood and all that. Like, okay. Yeah. Can, said that, I no fans. I mean, I think a big part of it, too, is that a majority of this Messiah run, unfortunately, consisted of that terrible Rey Mysterio feud. <laughs> like the whole eye for an eye shit was terrible. Getting Aaliyah involved was terrible. It really took a turn. I think the, I think the peak of the Messiah character was Mania when him and Owens had that great match. After that, it was just it was it was kind of downhill from there. Or actually, the Drew match the Drew match was great. Um, and Money in the Bank, and then after that, it kind of went downhill. So hey, listen, man, for him to for him to poke out Rey Mysterio's eye, and Rey Mysterio comes back to work a week later, just shows how much he's really. You know, <laughs> dedicated to to the sport. So <laughs> exactly, I completely agree. Um. I think that's pretty much it, right, Graham? So I know we got SmackDown tomorrow. Um, the Chamber, obviously, on Sunday. Sunday. So nothing else I'm really missing out on, correct? I don't think so. I think we hit on pretty much everything heading into uh, WrestleMania in about a month and a half. Already. Look at that already. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's more like two months because this is actually fun fact for you, Randy, as someone who uh, is a WrestleMania stat nerd as such as myself. This is the latest that WrestleMania has ever been this year. 10th and 11th. I don't think there's ever been a WrestleMania that's ever been that late. Correct. So I think it's always been the first weekend of April. So this is, I know they're doing it for mm. pandemic purposes, but it's cool. It gives them more time to build to it. So uh, it's kind of refreshing in a way because it was supposed to be two weeks earlier in late March. I don't like March WrestleMania. So I think that's too early. So I'm mm. glad they're waiting out a little longer. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's cool. We got plenty of time before the uh, show is shows in a couple of months. So what's gonna make Graham go to WrestleMania this year? What's gonna what's gonna say? You know what? I'm not going right now. I know the COVID thing. I, yeah, Tampa. What's gonna say? You know what? I gotta go at least one night. What's what can make Graham <laughs> go to one night at least for WrestleMania? Uh, I don't know. There, there's a couple different factors. It would have to be like an amazing card. It would have to be. There, there would have to be some sort of outside circumstance because anything can happen between now and then. You know, anything can happen. So um, I, I can't say, oh, if this was booked for the card or if this happened, then I would absolutely go. But um, I don't know. I, I wanted to go this year to Los Angeles because I went at 33, 35. I wanted to make it like an every other year thing. Right. Um, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm playing it safe. I'm not going anywhere for the most part right now. The furthest I've gone since this whole thing started with was Mass, and I live in Connecticut. Um, and I drove there. I didn't fly. Any, I haven't flown anywhere in a long time. So, um, not to say that I wouldn't. It would just really have to be worth it, if that makes sense. And I think another thing too is that with Mania, it's it's about everything that kind of goes on around Mania. Like for the last two times I went, I went to Access, I went to WrestleCon, I went to Takeover. If that stuff isn't happening, then it's like to just go for Mania. Maybe, maybe if there's other stuff, maybe if there's other stuff going on, but it would have mm -hmm. to be a really good mania or a really good night of mania. Um, I don't know. Cause there's really, no, you can't, there's nothing, there's going to be nothing to do in the Tampa area. I mean, I guess Florida is more open than we are up here in the Northeast. So I can't really say that, I guess, but <laughs> I'm not going out to any fucking bars and catching COVID if I, if I don't have to. So if I so did if, go, I would hey, play it. Safe. Graham, I got one free ticket for you to go. It's yours. All you gotta do is get a flight down there and you good and a hotel but you got that one free ticket. Are you going? Yeah, I'd go. Absolutely. Of course. Again, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, that's another factor too. I don't want to pay all this money for a flight, the mm. ticket itself to go to the show in a hotel. If the, I know the show's not going to be good, but if one of those things, if it, it, the pros have to outweigh the negatives, you know, um, I agree. obviously the pandemic is a, is a big, big negative and you, you going is not saying that you're going to get it, but it's, you just got to play it safe. I'm not saying I'm not jeopardy. I'm not saying anyone who goes is an idiot. Like there were people that were at the Super Bowl. There, ha it has to be done right. They're not just welcoming in eighty thousand people to WrestleMania. I don't think they're going to do it unless they absolutely know it's going to be safe. I know this is WWE we're talking about, and mm -hmm. they've done some unsafe things at least early on in terms of their COVID measures, from what we can speculate. Um, but I don't know. It seems like they've gotten their shit together for the most part behind the scenes in terms of that type of stuff. I would only go if I know it was safe. Um, so. Maybe if it was a free ticket, and then I'm like, oh, I'm not paying for it, so why the fuck not? Why not? If I if I get a if I get a one way trip to WrestleMania, it's hard to turn that down, regardless of what the card looks like. I would just be masked up to shit and probably not leaving my hotel room. But other than that, I, I would probably go just to uh, 
just to experience it. If, if, it, if it was worth it, that's really what it comes down to for me. Right. So Graham has a, a updated interview podcast, whatever you want to call it with Kofi Kingston coming out tomorrow. So go yep. ahead and check it out on bleach bleach report, right? Yeah, that one's going to be out on Bleach Report. We did one for Daily DDT on Sunday with Ember Moon, which was really cool before TakeOver. And she was great. We talked to Finn Balor for Bleach Report right before that. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of interviews out, coming out. Um, mm -hmm. Kofi is tomorrow, though. That comes out first thing tomorrow. I'll try to send you a clip because you always do a great job with that stuff um, if you have the time to do it. But um, we'll tonight. see. But do it tonight. Do oh it no, tonight. that's what I mean. Yeah, tonight. Probably after I get off, we, we get off the we, the show here. I'll probably do it real quick so I don't forget. Right. Um, but yeah, because it's gonna be out first thing tomorrow morning. So right. uh, yeah, that had, people have that to look forward to too. So before I let you go, um, those who are watching now or later on can follow the Cruise Control Podcast now on Twitter at Cruise Control Pod. You can also find Graham. At Russell Rant, uh, if you are a fan of, of the of the show in general and like the shirt that I have on right now, you can find that shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash cruise control. Show some love to the uh to the program. Um, find the video podcast on cruise control podcast on YouTube and also on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple. So Graham Matthews, always always appreciated, man. Good to see you. It's been a while. We cannot go this long without doing a show. All people, I, I tell you, man, you know, there are so many podcasts out there that do wrestling with all due yeah. respect and, and just way more popular than me and you. Uh, but there are people out there who hit me up and say, listen, where's where's the podcast at? I'm yeah. like, I mean, I'm doing the other shows for the network, the basketball ones, and like, I've just been you know, a little tied up. Yeah. And, say, hey, and this is my favorite podcast. I'm like, out of the, all of the 5,000 shows out there, this you picked this one. So I, I have to be like, you know what? I, I thank you. I respect that. And me and Graham are going to keep, you know, continue to bust our ass to, 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 to be more known out there and be consistent every every single week, whether it's this show or the yeah. basement. Um, so just let you know, people do hit me up, Graham. They ask for you, they ask for me, and they want the fucking content. Yeah, no, definitely, dude. Even if people didn't ask, I would still do it anyway because I still doing this. I, I still love doing this show with you. Always have, always will. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just do a lot of this stuff for fun. A lot of the stuff that I do and do with you, uh, you know, I I have, I have no incentives other than just because I enjoy it and I like uh, running my mouth about professional wrestling. So, uh, but it is cool that people ask about it. Though. I know Johnny specifically has been uh, wondering yeah. where the podcast has been. So, uh, shout out to Johnny and all the other listeners out there. I'm looking forward to doing more of these on the road to WrestleMania. So I know we'll probably catch up to review the chamber sometime next week. Uh, yep, for sure. Let me know when you're available and we can knock that out. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, fan, cited, daily DDT, at Russell Rant on Twitter. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate you. Have a great one. I'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. You too.